we're talking today, who is it that we are meant to be? Who is it that we're, we're to make a decision to be? You know, we're distinguished, uh, we distinguish our identity by the choices that we make. The decisions that we make ultimately make up who we are. And in that, there's a call for wisdom, a call to be wise people and to make the right decisions. Because again, the decisions we make will, will create what our identity is or who we actually are. And so we need wisdom in the decisions that we make. And um, Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 5, can uh, read along with me if you want to turn there. It says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. So Solomon, in writing to his son, writing to the future, writing to us, he says, the key thing to understand is to get wisdom and to see wisdom. It's personified here as, as a woman. In other places in Scripture, it's personified as, as mother wisdom, right? There's, a, there's an idea that we get wisdom from, from our moms or from valuable people in our lives. So I asked the congregation, before we talk about wisdom a little bit, I, said, I sent out a few texts and said, hey, what's a, what's a, a bit of wisdom you got from from a mom in your life, all right? I'm going to share some of them with you. All right, Cage said, he got a couple from his mom. He said, taste your words before you spit them out. It's pretty good, huh? said, another one is, who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Then she found out, he found out that was from Star Wars, but wise nonetheless. <laughs> Gabby sent a couple from her, her mom as well as from other spiritual moms in her life. She said, uh, think the best of other women around you. You never know who needs to hear healing words. That's a good one. Always take a little something to someone's home when you're visiting, especially food. She said that was a Latino mom right there. <laughs> Bring some food with you. You're in partnership with the Lord as mom. It's not a solo job. That's a good bit of wisdom too. Tyrica shared about her mom and the wisdom uh, that she received from her mom. She uh, was taught very early on to take care, uh, taught how to take care of herself uh, while she was younger. Um, I'm sorry, let me read this right. I might have another example of wisdom come up later, but she taught me that how I take care of myself while I'm younger will impact me when I'm older. So the sooner I start, the better. To this day, people uh, say that she looks like my sister. She's in wonderful shape, healthy, and she weathered COVID better than any of us did. <laughs> Um, which is true in the uh, Capral family. Lexi shared about her mom. She said, one of the, my favorite things my mother has taught me is how to be loving, kind, and understanding of others. It was something she never had to say out loud. She taught me by showing it. My mother has a huge heart and cares by being there and showing up. All right, Alan Clark shared a couple wisdoms from his mom. A hard head makes a hard you-know-what. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Alan. And don't put the cart before the horse. I don't know if she came up with that or he just shared that a lot. I'm just kidding. Uh, Chandrika shared a, a bit of wisdom from her mom. Do your best. That's all you can do. At the end of the day, regardless of the outcome, you succeeded because you did your best. And in doing your best, you can be proud of you. And then um, uh, Cassie shared about her mom and uh, her mom praying for her and, and giving her guidance and, and helping in the, the challenge of, of dealing with, with uh, some health scares right now. Um, she said her mom always was, would always say, have faith, 
God has got this. And that my mom is amazing. She fought to get back to normal after her stroke and has always had amazing faith. She can be quiet, but those who listen to her reap great advice. That's powerful. And um, let's see here. Esteban shared from his mom. He said, um, a deep, intimate, constant relationship with God will lead to a deeply satisfying, joyful, fulfilling relationship with life and people. It's a good one, too. All right, I got about 17 more. No, I'm just kidding. Just a few more. No, you're like, if you know Scott Sterling, he sent a little essay. So I'm going to try to uh, summarize it just a little bit, all right? So when I ever, whenever I think about advice, it's supposed to be a father that gives advice to his children, his sons especially, and he did. But the more I thought about your question of advice from my mother, it made me think. As I did, quite a few things came to mind. They are not all advice moments, but they're times that my mother, uh, that my mother and I had one-on-one -on -one times. I will name a few. Whenever I was younger and our whole family were visiting her parents one Sunday, I found a piece of wood and wanted to make something out of it. She suggested a pencil holder, so I did my best to make some holes, and then she said it needs a saying. When she thought for a moment, she said, to get the point, reveal the hole. This didn't make sense to me at the time, but I did my best to scratch it on there, and she spelled some words for me. Its cleverness was lost on me then. I think I was seven, but it makes sense now. I also, let me find my place here. Uh, I also learned lessons about cooking and frugal food management, which is a fancy way of saying she showed me clever ways to use up leftovers. I cherish those times and many more and enjoy the times that we have had to today for as long as they continue. She will celebrate her 80th birthday this year, and it seems like I can't, it can't be that long already, but God has always been there and will continue to be there through the example of my mom. And he says, happy Mother's Day to all of us today. There's a lot of wisdom to glean from moms. My mom would often say, wherever you go, there you are. Meaning you can't run from your problems. <laughs> wherever you go, you, you, gotta, you gotta choose to deal with it. You can't just go somewhere. You can't just pretend like whatever problems were going on didn't exist. We all probably have maybe a bit of wisdom from a mom or a spiritual mom that we've, we've held on to. And we need wisdom in our life to make the right decisions. So today I want to talk about the identity that we form through our decisions. And to do that, we're going to go through the book uh, of 1 Corinthians. We're going to go through chapter 3 together. So let's turn there together. A little bit of background on the church in Corinth. It was pretty messed up. They were going through a lot of challenges in Corinth. You don't need to read very much in the book to know that. But uh, they had uh, a lot of division in the church. Okay, well, I was converted by Paul, or I was converted by Apollos, and they were arguing over who had a, a better mentor, or spiritual mentor in their life. They argued about their different foundations. There, you had people getting drunk on communion wine. You know, that's, that's a pretty big deal. They had people uh, arguing over class issues within the fellowship. They had sexual scandals within the church. It was a big deal, all the problems that were going on in Corinth. And Paul, as he's addressing this letter, He's, he's trying to say, okay, the first thing you got to do is get your foundation right. Right? Above all this, you got to start making some wise decisions and change things. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2, it says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Which is a little bit of a funny sentence, right? Are you not acting like a mere human? And they might be like, well, I, I thought that's what we are. But Paul's saying, you have a much greater identity, and you're getting yourself worth from the wrong stuff. 
And it's causing you to settle for mere humanity when you are made for so much more. And I could imagine him saying that to us today, that we've got to choose to make some wise decisions to get our identity from the right place. In uh, chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says this, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. So he says, I've laid this foundation. It, you're called, we're all called to be wise builders, to make sure we're building with wisdom. And he describes what that looks like. It means building with care. It means that we don't, we don't just let things happen to us. We make decisions. And if we're led by our desires, we're led by just the things and circumstances in our life, that's not building with care. But we got to build on the right foundation. we got to be aware and have wisdom and build with care. And Paul is talking about the character of the church as a whole. But for us as individuals, the principles still apply to building our personal character, our personal identity in Christ. The call is to be a wise builder. And that's critical to our achieved identity, the decisions that we make. I think that we build our identity or we make relationships or we make decisions, excuse me, based on two things. You can choose to make decisions based on desire or you can choose to make decisions based on wisdom. And what's the difference? Well, desire asks, how can I get what I want? Right? That's what, when we're led by our desires, we're thinking that way. How can I get what I want? Wisdom says, but what is godly? What is best? Will it last? There, there's wisdom and then there's desire. And we have to make a decision what base, by what basis we're going to make our decisions. If you habitually ask yourself what it is that you want, it can lead you down a path of self-centeredness, emptiness, and compromises. doesn't mean it's, it's certainly important to be aware of our desires, of course, but when we're led by our desires, it leads to compromise. Anyone ever heard the phrase, the heart wants what it wants? Anyone know the origin of that phrase? It's uh, from a man by the name of Woody Allen. Right? So we, we're familiar with this phrase. It's just, hey, the heart what it wants what it wants. I, I have this desire. I'm going to pursue it. Well, this phrase was shared by, by Woody Allen. I'm sure he didn't originate it, right? But it was shared famously in an interview. And it was an interview where he was uh, being asked about this controversial relationship that he was having with essentially his stepdaughter. And when asked about it, basically, he was, um, his girlfriend at the time had a daughter. He was 56. She was 21. And he uh, started up an immoral relationship with his, um, wasn't actually his stepdaughter, but kind of a functional stepdaughter. And he chose to, to engage with her and to end things with his girlfriend. And, and obviously people were left questioning about that. And he looked at, at the interviewer and said, hey, the heart wants what it wants. Happy Mother's Day. That's not very uh, <laughs> an encouraging message there. But this, was, this is what happens when we choose our desires and we choose our desires over what God actually wants or what wisdom actually calls us to do and to decide. We compromise and it looks gross. It looks inappropriate. It looks not like the life God has called us to. It's backwards thinking. Um, the West has adopted uh, Freudian principles. You guys heard of Freud, Sigmund Freud? And Freud basically was famous for saying that repression of desire is the basis for all neurosis. 
Everyone understand that? Basically what he's saying is that you are unhappy because other people are telling you you cannot do the stuff you want to do. Basically says everything that stands in the way of your happiness is repressing or saying no to your desire. And our society in the West has grabbed onto that idea and basically said that if someone else tells you not to do what you want, that's oppression. And if you choose not to do what you want, that's repression. And either way, that's a bad way to live. But Jesus teaches something far greater than that. He says, deny yourself and actually you'll win life. Say no to the immediate desire and choose what's wise and you can experience genuine freedom. And because our, our culture has been structured on, on cockamamie ideas, <laughs> we're, we're, we're lost and we're led in a way where we think desire should be king. And desire is a bad king. We've got to choose to let Jesus be king of our life. That's what it means to have our identity in Christ, to let Jesus be the actual foundation. Happiness has become about feeling good, not about being good. We're missing it. And guess what, by the way, it doesn't work to, to live by our desires alone. It leads to being enslaved by those desires. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. He says, there's part of you, this desire that's pulling you back to this yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1, don't, don't go back to that, but experience and let yourself be free from the burden and the, the slavery of being led by our desires. On the flip side, instead of habitually asking, how can I get what I want? If you're to ask questions like, how can I serve? How can I lay down my life? How, what would be wise? Then it begins to shape your actions and your attitudes and your character. It shapes your identity and you start living as who it is that you're meant to be. It changes who we are. You know, a teen choosing or an adult choosing to have a flip phone instead of a smartphone to protect from the, the different images that can pop up constantly on the phone. That is someone who is choosing to build self-control, right? They're building something by these decisions, right? The, um, um, the couple that says, you know what, we're going to save uh, intimacy for our marriage. They're building trust in God and in God's plan. The, marrieds, the married couples that say, you know what, we're going to speak respectfully despite feeling upset in our marriage. They're building closeness and godliness in their marriage. You know, these decisions, these types of decisions are often contrary to what we feel, but acting contrary to what we want will often build wisdom and faith. And it's God's way, and it takes an act of faith saying, I'm going to trust God in this. On the flip side of that, the opposite of wise decisions are foolish decisions. Decisions made with our desires driving the ship rather than the wisdom of God. Foolish decisions are usually made by one of three ways. Made in haste. Proverbs 21 talks about not uh, taking time to make a decision. So they're made in haste. They're made in anger. James 1.20 talks about that. Or they're made alone. Proverbs 12.15. That's how foolish decisions are made. Godly decisions are made by what's going to glorify God. Will this last? What is wise? Foolish decisions in our life are made in haste, made in anger, and made alone. Either one of those or all three of those. I bet in this room, the worst decision of your life that you can think of involved one of these, or probably multiple. 
Sorry to bum you out there, but that's, there's a reality, right? That, that when we're led by these things, when we work in haste or in anger or we're operating alone, we, it leads to compromise. But here's what's cool. We don't have to stay that way. We are, of, we are not mere humans. We are built on something better, something greater, and we can live differently. And the best example of that is the Corinthian church. We have a whole book of the Bible in 2 Corinthians about how they changed. And so if you feel like, you know what, I've had the wrong foundation in my life. I, I haven't been building with care. I, I pray that you don't get discouraged this morning, but rather inspired to start changing now, to start building with care now. You know, even recently, I, I, I've done a deep inventory on, on a particular character issue of mine, a need for control. And it's been messy, but I, I've been stuck in this need for a long time. But recently, I'm doing a deep dive to say, I need to grow. I've been not building with care in this area, and the time for that to change is now. What is it for you? What needs to be different in how you build with care? Part of that means our identity has to be built on the right foundation. Let's go to the next verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. You're killing it with the slides, Allison. Thank you. All right. Uh, for no one can lay any foundation other than than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying, you guys have had the wrong foundation. You've been built on the wrong stuff. Instead, let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. In all your choices, Jesus must be the foundation. And we could say that, and everyone says, amen. What does it really mean for Jesus to be the foundation? Have you ever thought about that? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, Jesus is the foundation. And then you're like, but, but how... What, what does it actually mean? Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, this is uh, from a book called The Wisdom Pyramid, and it talks about all the things that have the potential to influence our lives. And it's basically saying, if you want to live a wise life, let the things that matter have the greatest influence on the pyramid there, right? So you got the Bible, God's Word. you got church principles and, and relationships. Then you got nature and beauty then books, then the internet, and then I guess Twitter. I, I'm not sure, or birds. I'm not sure which one that is. But um, there's something powerful about making sure that our decisions and the things that have the most influence in our lives are the truths of God. That's what it means for Jesus to be the foundation, is that we're letting him have the greatest influence in our lives. Not our desires, not the outside world, not other things, but we're letting him and his words have the greatest weight in terms of our influence. The foundation has got to be Jesus. Nothing influences our decisions more than Jesus. If we allow what he values to have the greatest influence and to, to structure our evaluation system, if you let this happen, then the foundation will uh, affect all of our decisions. You know, nothing will influence more the, the following things. How you deal with conflict. How you decide who you should date how you respond to different challenges or respond to different people that bring about hurt, how you spend your time, how you discern your purpose, how you discern your identity have all got to come from the influence of what Jesus says is true and what Jesus says is important. When you, do, when you allow Jesus to be the foundation, it changes everything. Have you ever met someone who you kind of know through a friend and the foundation of your connection with them is based on another person? And you're like, or, or maybe you just meet someone who's from a, a town that you kind of know, and you're like, do you know Tony? And they're like, oh, yeah, I know Tony. And you're like, sweet, we have something to talk about for like two minutes. And then you're like, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he is great. 
okay, how's the weather? You know, you're like, okay, we have this little foundational thing. But sometimes it opens up a whole conversation, right? You have this foundational element of the, the right topic that opens up possibilities for conversation. Um, I'll give you an example. Elaine and I went uh, down to the Bahamas uh, for our honeymoon almost 10 years ago, which is insane to say. And we had a, a, a great time down there, and we um, went to, to midweek, actually, and went with the, to celebrate with the midweek with the Bohemian church down there, and that was really fun in Nassau, and uh, we had some friends down there. But one brother came up, and he said, hey, I work at Atlantis. Come to the Dolphin area and tell them Bernard sent you. And then he disappeared, like, you know, just lit. I was like, what? I was like, okay. And, um, and I, you guys might have heard this story before, but I, Elaine and I were like, sounds good. We'll go, we'll go to Atlantis. And, and, and we're like, walk into the dolphin area, and everyone looks like they know what they're doing. They have, like, time tickets, and they're like, we're here for the dolphin experience and this and that. And we're like, uh, Bernard? We're, we're, we're friends with – we're not even friends with Bernard. <laughs> He's our brother in Christ. We love him dearly. But I, I talked to him for two minutes, not even that. Bernard? And they're like, oh, you're with Bernard? Come this way. And we went into the back area, and Bernard was a dolphin, dolphin trainer trainer. So he trains dolphin trainers. And he was like, come back here. And we got the coolest free dolphin experience and got these cool pictures with dolphins jumping around us and got to kiss a dolphin, and it was awesome. But with, once we said Bernard, everything opened up, right? So when we let Jesus be the foundation, everything opens up that our world changes and how we see things all change when we let his influence have the most influence in our life and his values have the most influence in our life. And a more real example, not that that wasn't real, but a more uh, rooted and, and spiritual example, um, Anthony talked a little bit about uh, our friend that we've been studying the Bible with, um, and he recently just struggled and kind of shared with his challenge of I just, I kind of want to be a loner due to his experiences, his experience with, with church, his experience with his family, and even some influences from, oh, I watched this YouTube channel that says, don't trust anybody and hang on to this or that. But then he came face to face with the values of Jesus and God's word about community. And he said, oh, that makes sense. And everything has changed as he's allowed himself to be led by a greater influence of God's word rather than all these other things that pale in comparison to the truth and the foundation of Jesus Christ. Everything changes when we let Jesus be the foundation. What has Jesus being the foundation changed in your life? And what has Jesus being the foundation changed in your life last month, last week? Not 20 years ago when you were studying the Bible, but, but last month. What, what is Jesus being the foundation changing in your life regularly? Or what should it be changing? Let's talk about this a little bit more in context of the next verse. You guys still with me? All right. Some of you are going to go down to the Bahamas and just try it and be like, Bernard? <laughs> Bernard? <laughs> All right. Chapter 3, verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, so we have the foundation in Jesus, and now we're talking about building on top of that. If anyone builds this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Uh, it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. A lot going on in there. We won't, we won't talk about that last verse a whole lot, except that even if we build wrong, 
Jesus is still Lord. He, his, his grace is still sufficient for us, praise God. But my goal, I want to build right. I don't want to just eke into heaven smelling of smoke. I, I want to I make it, right? I want to build something great here with the life that he's entrusted to me. And so, we, yes, yes, you'll still be saved, but we're talking about bigger than that, bigger than just the, the idea of salvation, but really living for God and building with what he's given us. And what it says earlier is what you build with matters because you will go through trials. The day will come where the testing of, of how you built will happen. We learned this from the, the ancient classic, the three little pigs, right? What you build with is going to get tested when the big bad wolf shows up. We're, we're familiar with this idea, but on a much deeper level, we are going to face trials. And some of you are like, yes, right now. A lot of us, I know what's going on. I know what's happening in, in kind of many of, of your guys' individual lives. We're facing trials. You're going through trials. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7. He says you, got, you, you can build on solid ground or you can build on sinking sand. And the storm is going to come and blow and beat against that house. And sometimes we read it as if I build on the rock, the storm won't show up. But it says both cases, the winds blew and beat against the house. And so sometimes when the trials come, we say, what, what in the world, God? I built on the right foundation. What is this storm? We had a deal. And God says, no, no, the storm's going to come to both. But our structural foundation will be revealed in those times. And I think there's two things to that. We want to make sure we're building the right thing now. But if the trial is revealing that the foundation needs some adjustment, make the adjustments now. We have the time, we have the ability, we have the fellowship, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God. Make the adjustments now, even through the storm, as things get revealed. So what's being talked about here is you got to build with the right stuff. In Corinth, uh, in the city of Corinth, the, the, I guess the Corinthians were known for their brass. In fact, Corinthian brass was more valuable and more precious than gold or silver. And they would build epic, you know, door frames and doors out of the, the, this brass that they uh, would forge together, um, and huge doors and gates in the temples were made of this. And so Paul, when he's saying build with the right stuff, that metaphor was not lost on the Corinthians. They knew what the right stuff was. It was the stuff that would cost them, the stuff that would mean I have to skip this desire or this thing I want to get this right building material. And so this goes back to building with wisdom, building with care, choosing the right stuff, even though it might be costly the costly stones, but those are the things that last. The hay will burn up or the big bad wolf will blow it over. But instead, we can hold on to what's true and to build with the right stuff, to build with precious stones, to build with the things that are uncomfortable and costly, but are glorious in God's sight. The, the precious stones are the teachings of Jesus. Building on the foundation is the values of Jesus. The precious stones are building with the teachings and the truths of Jesus that he shares. There's kind of a famous carpenter story. I'm not sure where it comes from, but this carpenter worked for a company and would build houses, and he would build and build and build, and he would, would get kind of bitter of all that the company was asking of him. And they said, well, can you build one last house before you quit? He goes, fine, I'll build one last house. And he knew, this is my last house. It doesn't matter what I do. And he built it, you know, in a shoddy way. I'm sure, I'm sure someone else could explain what that is. Or some of you have lived in a house, or maybe Stephanie's done a a rehab of a house that was falling apart in peace, you know, basically he builds this house in the, the cheapest way possible. 
And then uh, he goes, say, hey, I'm done with the house. I'm, I'm out of here. He said, hey, we want to thank you for your hard work. The house that you built is the house that we want to give you for all your hard work for the company. Sometimes the house we build is going to be the house we live in. The decisions we make, the stuff we build with, our life is going to reflect that. And we're going to, you know, the phrase, uh, you got to lay in the bed that you make, it's kind of that thing, right? When we're led by bitterness or isolation or independence, that's going to be the house that we live in. And God is begging us with this passage through the Holy Spirit, say, don't do that. Build with the right stuff. Build with the stuff that lasts. Make wise, good, godly decisions to achieve the identity that I have for you. Why do we spend so much energy resisting who God is trying to make us into? Why do we spend so much energy pushing back against God? That's what Paul did. And, and Jesus literally said, why do you kick against the goats? I want to use you for great things. And you're, you're wearing yourself out kicking against what I have planned for you. Brothers and sisters, we got to stop kicking against the goats. We got to stop resisting who God is trying to make us into. You've got to stop resisting who God is trying to make you into. Our identity is built through our choices, so we've got to make good ones. And God tells us what those good ones look like. Let's look at our last passage here, verse 16 and 17, all right? Verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Paul is addressing the church and reminding them, you aren't just a structure built on Apollos or built on Paul or built on whatever you get your identity from. You are part of a bigger picture, part of a plan that I've had for you from the beginning to be my people, my dwelling place on this earth, my beacon of light and hope to all the nations. That was the purpose of the temple. And then he says, you guys are the temple. And this is a big deal because the temple was still standing. It wasn't like, okay, the temple's been torn down, new plan, let's all be little temples and we'll go everywhere. He goes, no, no, no. The temple's over there, but that's, uh, that's 2.0. You guys are 3.0. There was another one before that. But uh, that was 2.0. You guys are the, uh, a new plan. That is now obsolete. That's just a building. You guys are my building. You are my field, as he says in 1 Corinthians 3. You are my temple. This would be like someone saying in the Islam faith, you are now Mecca. Think about every foundational truth in the Islamic faith focused on Mecca. We've got to face Mecca. We've got to pray to Mecca. All this stuff. Imagine saying, you know, Mecca is now, it's not a thing anymore. You are that. That's what's being said here. You are the temple of God. What power and what responsibility comes with that? I was trying to not quote Spider-Man there, but I couldn't help it. But there's truth to that, right? There's a, a power and responsibility. We're not mere humans. We are temples of the living God. Again, that comes with the responsibility. And we, we got to stop playing like we're mere humans and see a bigger picture. Again, we fall, we, we run into issues, we have challenges, but we are this temple. That is who we're meant to be. We're meant to be that way. Um, it's, it's what God is saying is, I want you to be part of my family. You, you are my family here. You know, sometimes families have different standards. I grew up in a, a household where I, I'd go to my mom and say, hey, how come we can't do blank? You know, the Johnsons do blank. She goes, well, the Johnsons aren't Rosenquists. Like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys have used that before, right? You know, 
We, our family operates a bit differently. And that identity of who we are as the temple, as God's people, as God's family, that shapes the kind of people we're going to be all throughout our days, all throughout our lives. It's not just on Sunday. It's not just a, a, a theoretical or hypothetical commitment. But it's in reality and it's practical in our everyday life. For us, we have a phrase right, right now that we say with our kids, Rosenquist do hard things. That's our, our phrase. And so if Jack's like, oh, I don't want to take out the trash. I don't want to do this. Say, hey, buddy, Rosenquist do hard things. And I'd love to say he goes, yeah, every time. Sometimes he goes, oh, you know, I'm like, how did he go from like 5 to 15? But he's like, okay, whatever. But I want to instill that in my son that we're Rosenquist and we do the hard things. We're Christians. We do hard things. We're Christians. We build with the right stuff because what? Our identity is in God, not in ourselves, not in the things that w will not satisfy, not in the wood or hay that's going to burn up, but in the precious stones of Jesus Christ. God says, I'm your foundation. Build upon me and you will be my family. You are my family and my family makes spiritual wise choices, choices that make us holy, precious, and remind others of God's presence. Are you building with care? It's the only kind of practical or thought I have for you today. Are you building with care? Ask that question. If you need time, if you're a processor, think about it tomorrow, later today. Are you building with care? Are you building with desire or wisdom? Costly stone or cheap material? What you want or what he wants to make you into? Are you building with care? We can choose to, to heed mother wisdom, as, as Proverbs talks about, and listen to God and obey. And when we do, we're going to build with care. And in doing that, we allow ourselves to be led and filled by the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we're going to see amazing things as temples of the living God. God will use you again. God will use you once again and again and again. You will experience victory when you build with care. You will experience genuine freedom in him, and you will endure the trials and endure the day. Even if you, you escape smelling like smoke, you're going to endure to the end, and we'll be with Jesus. We, church, together, as it says, will be a temple, a representation of God on earth. We will be his image bearers. We talked in the beginning, okay, who am I meant to be? Our decisions answer that question. Our decisions show who we are trying to be. And when we are rooting our decisions in God's wisdom, in God's truth, we will actually be who we are meant to be. His image bearers, his children, and his workers in this kingdom. Amen? Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, My Hope is Built.